Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. And an interception, and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception. To get you the information that you need is to you start your own business and do your own thing. And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was not the first person to go through what I went through. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Hope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. I'm your co-host, Andre Howe. Man, and we're excited. Long overdue. However, we have our first uh, female guest, uh, Miami Northwestern alum, University of South Florida alum, doctorate yeah. in sports management, founder of Female Athletes Rock, the Big East Scholar Athlete. We're so excited and pleased to welcome to the podcast, Dr. Jasmine Highsmith. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I've listened to several of your episodes and the stories from everybody are always great. So I'm hoping I can live up to the hype. <laughs> Absolutely. We, I mean, again, I've been a fan uh, for, for, for a long time and I've kind of followed a lot of the stuff that you, you've been doing. So I was excited mm-hmm. to even um, have the opportunity to, 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 to put you on a podcast and just tell your story. Because again, I'm sure there are so many individuals and so many younger people behind that can learn from your story. So um, with that being said, absolutely. So uh, again, we just want to go beyond the hype. You know, want to go beyond just what people may see on the surface and be able to give them a little bit more of an in-depth um, journey, you know, behind your success, you know. So we usually start, we just kick it off, we dive right into it just by letting us know where you're from. Tell us a little bit about you, your family, and what it was like growing up there. Okay. All right, so I was born and raised in Miami, Florida, um, in a section called Brown Sub. My family's from there. Um, that's where I grew up. Most people who recognize my last name pretty much know who my dad is. My dad is Alonzo Highsmith. University of Miami running back, uh, third round um, NFL draft pick in the 1987 draft. So when people see my last name, they're like, hi, Smith. Yeah, but I grew up in Liberty City. (laughs) So um, growing up in Liberty City, you know, there's several challenges. My mom did send me to school outside of the area for a very long time. But it was in middle school when I begged her, like, can I please go to the school down the street from the house? And she was like, okay, so I went to Brownsville Middle School and then I followed up and went to Northwestern. And, um, you know, Liberty City is a place, if you can make it out of there, you can make it out of anywhere. Um, tons of stuff we wasn't supposed to see growing up, but we saw anyway. But I feel like those experiences did um, did help with my character development. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people, like, I'm book smart and I'm street smart, too. So <laughs> don't let too much world. get past me. <laughs> yes, that's the both worlds. Good deal. Can you tell us about um, your, first, your first involvement with sports? Sure. So I actually didn't get involved with sports until I was 14. I was um, going to high school, and I was uh, 5 feet 10 inches tall. And I didn't realize, like, that that was, like, a big thing. Um, I grew up, you know, you hear everybody talking about my dad, but I had never actually saw my dad play football because he was done with college ball by the time I was born. And then he retired in 92, so I wasn't in the sports yet. But 
When I got to high school, my track and field coach pulled me out the hallway and was like, come join my track team. And I was like, no, absolutely not. That's not what I plan to do. <laughs> it's not what I wanted to do, but I'm so thankful for that because it just, it kind of like, it, um, it got me involved in sports, but it also helped hone my passion for sports. Like I've always been a sports fan, but my involvement in sports pretty much helped um, develop that passion. I mean, again, you just mentioned um, Coach Carmen Jackson, legendary coach yes. at Miami Northwestern Senior High School. I mean, very dear to my heart and just an individual <laughs> that is just, I mean, she is, I mean, she is who she is, right? I mean, straight. She's amazing. <laughs> and you know, just kind of, kind of just hearing a story about the fact that you didn't think that, um, that, well, that you ha had no intentions of getting into sports, but her to see, and she's done it a number of times with Olympic medalists, uh, Brianna Rollins. Uh -huh. There's a number of different individuals. She just saw something in and, and brought them out to the mm -hmm. track. So can you kind of talk a little bit about just just what she means to you and just um, oh, yeah, what absolutely. she was able to do? Miss Carmen is always Miss Carmen is my lifesaver. Like I I really wanted at 14. You I mean you really have no idea of what you want in life, but you have a plan. Mm -hmm. And I had a plan at 14, and that plan was completely, like, derailed. And it was, it was like God sent. Miss Carmen is everything. I love that woman to death. I owe her so much of who I am. Just even the things that I, um, even as I became an adult, and things I remember what she told us, and I'm like, dang, Miss Carmen said that in 2003. It's Absolutely. 2020, and I'm still applying that to my life. So Miss Carmen was uh, well, she's the reason for me even getting involved in sports. Um, she told me when I came out, she said, you're going to go to school on a scholarship. And I was like, eh, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. I'm doing this for fun. And sure enough, with only four years of me competing, I was um, on track to get a track and field scholarship. And in track and field, most people start at a very young age. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. my peers were way ahead of me by the time I got to high school. <laughs> so they had been competing, they were eight and nine, and here I am just 14, just learning everything. And then I ended up with a scholarship. So I'm happy Miss Carmen saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. What type of success you had in high school as an individual and as a team? Okay, so my um, Miami Northwest and I always tell people, we are more than a team, we're a program. Mm -hmm. um, we actually won the state championship my senior year. Um, that's the only one we, we really count because three years prior to that, we were state runner-up. Mm -hmm. But we won um, my senior year. I was an all-county athlete, um, all-state athlete. Um, and just, I always tell people, like, I wasn't, I, can say, I, was, I wouldn't say that I was the absolute best, but I made an impact on the team. Mm -hmm. I'll agree with that because uh, we were teammates in uh, my senior mm -hmm. year in 2003, which we were supposed to sweep it. We were supposed to win both uh -huh. the boys and the girls. Uh, uh, yeah. Like you said, y'all, the girls were runner up, but we won. So I know how yeah. that felt and what that did for me my senior year. So let's talk about uh -huh. how, you know, again, how that combinated into uh, the success you had and then also um, about the recruiting process. By having so much success mm -hmm. and winning, you know, how did your recruiting process go? Um, oh, yeah. So us winning the state championship was like a goal of ours. As long as I've been a part of Miss Carmen's track team, that's, that's her only goal. She don't care mm -hmm. about nothing else. She don't care about the meets in between. It's the state championship. So 
every year we went into the season with the expectancy of win, expectancy of winning the state championship. When we finally won our senior year, it was just like a dream come true because now you're a part of history. I'm one of what thirteen state championships under her belt. <laughs> so um, that that part, just being a part of that history for her, and then um, after we won, that kind of just like anything is possible as long as like that was the first time I saw I actually saw like the product of hard work like I can remember the work I put in from the day state championship my junior year ended until the state championship my senior year and um it's just a reminder that there are no days off mm-hmm. you have to work toward it every day um and the recruiting process for me started out kind of slow um, because with the throws is different than the sprints. There's not a whole lot of money in the throws and track and field. And so basically like some schools, they have so many throwers, they don't have enough money or, you know, so, um, that, that, that in the waiting game, just trying to figure out, like I tell, I told somebody recently, I was a late signer. I signed after graduate, like after the state championship happened, a week before I graduated from um, from Northwestern, I signed my scholarship. So um, that process for me, it was just a waiting game, just trying to see who had the most money, who could give me the most money. And for me, where location-wise, I didn't want to go too far away from my family. Mm-hmm. So Tampa was pretty much close. And I didn't want to stay home. So it was home or go away. And so Tampa was close enough to where I could get away from home and still um, and still have a, like that big city feel. Because mm-hmm. if you've ever been to Tampa, Tampa's like big city, but it's really small. But it has a big city feel. So that was one of the reasons why I went to Tampa. Hmm. Okay. So once you, got on, once, you got, once you got on campus as a freshman, uh, what was the biggest difference from high school to college? And what, oh, what, my what God. You noticed? So I immediately noticed, like, there's no hand-holding. <laughs> That's the first thing you notice when you get on campus. Like, you get there, and they give you the syllabus. I'm like, okay, figure it out for yourself. Um, and one good thing about being an athlete was be having the Student Success Center on campus for us to help us kind of organize that life. You go from, like, having your mom wake you up every day to get ready for school to like, you need to set an alarm and be at 6 a.m. practice. Like, what? 6 a.m.? <laughs> so I got to get up before 6 a.m. to get there, right? So, yeah. So that was one big adjustment. And just trying to adjust, like, being a student athlete in high school and um, is different from being a student athlete in college. It's a greater responsibility with it, along with just trying to still be a student and then have a regular life, too. Right. Like, I always feel like it's impossible because you, something's going to lag. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Either you want to be a, a student 100% or you're going to be an athlete 100% or you're just going to be a traditional college student 100%. Like, you can't – the trying to find balance in that is hard. So that was definitely a struggle for me in the first semester. Absolutely. We um, I like to ask guys or or I guess – when did they first realize the sports, uh, that sports was a business? In some cases, you know, they go through the recruiting process and they see all mm-hmm. these different things. So um, can you speak on you really realizing the business of sports when it, when, it, when it first clicked for you? I think when 
I got to college, my the first thing my coaches were made mention of like, you guys are an investment. And so I'm like, investment? Like we're human capital basically. And so it, it hit me then like, okay, yeah, this is this is bigger than like this is not hometown, this is not Northwestern, this is way bigger. And we were we're a smaller school in a and we were in the big east at the time, but it was about who can get the conference for us? Like, what can you do for us? Mm-hmm. And that was that was the big wake up call. Like, okay, yeah, this is not Northwestern no more. This is this is a new ball game. Like, your scholarship is riding on this. Absolutely. Cool. I want to talk about your stance on uh on college after getting paid or not. Oh yeah. So I actually did my dissertation on pay-for-play and how it could transform collegiate athletics. Um, I am pro pay-for-play just because I know for a fact um, the trials that athletes experience while in college not being able to work. Mm -hmm. Um, I've met people that had to work overnight um, to try to do it. But again, that's that, like, I can't be full student athlete and then try to like this is a job. This mm-hmm. is basically a job for me. How can I still work and still maintain my grades and maintain my my uh, my uh, development on the field and off the field? So I definitely believe student athletes should get paid. Um, of course, that comes into play. You know, play if the if it should be revenue generating sports, non revenue generating sports, because of course. On most campuses, only football and basketball generate the revenue mm-hmm. um, for all athletic teams. But I believe there's a way that we can systematically still pay student athletes what they're worth and for their time. Because it's, it's hard. It's hard being a student athlete. I've had classmates, like, they can't get home on breaks. Mm-hmm. No extra money for lunch. I need, uh, I need gas. People have kids. And that, even though that's, it's just, I've been, it's not, it's not uncommon to meet somebody, a college athlete that has kids, just like you would meet a traditional athlete, a traditional student on campus that has kids. Somebody got to pay for it. So I think we, I think they definitely should be paid. Got my vote on that as well. I know, um, again, just the struggles of student athletes and, you know, to, I mean, again, we're not able to do that which a traditional a traditional student can. So they can be a full-time mm-hmm. student. They can go get a job. They can network. They can, you know, all these different things that allows them just kind of to be better prepared for, you know, that transition out. Meanwhile, athletes are very limited. So absolutely. But as we as we know, we're speaking on should they be paid or not, but most college, major college football programs, the coaches are making millions of dollars, right? Millions mm-hmm. of dollars. Meanwhile, athletes are be- barely able to maybe go get a nice dinner after a game. Um, and now we're talking mm-hmm. about even more so female coaches in women's sports, right? They don't even make, you know, as far as the pie makeup of how money is spent. Right. Um, kind of talk about a little bit about that and just, you know, women, female coaches or women's sports mm-hmm. and uh, the, the limited resources that they're even providing. Yes. So I always look at the football, basketball and football um, coaches' salaries. I'm like, oh, my God, y'all had that much to spend? Oh, you know, the the budgets are, are crazy. And the bigger the conference and the more incentives they get, they get so many incentives uh, for going to conference championships and winning games and stuff, winning those big games. So 
it's almost like, okay, so they're rewarded. So how are we rewarded? A meal, a, a goodie bag at the end of <laughs> at the end of a tournament or whatever the case is. So all of that is taken into consideration. And then you look at the women and you have people like Don Staley who has dominated basketball, has come in up through the ranks. Basically, she's an Olympian. And she's not making nowhere near the amount that the men's basketball coaches are making. It's, it, it's a little discouraging because then you have other women that want to get into coaching and stuff like that. And it's like, I got to go through all this just to get half of what they get. It's not fair. And so um, there definitely needs to be some reform, especially with adding more women in coaching and more women of color as well. What's up, Hype family? Thanks again for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. But if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenerships. So you don't even have to have a big audience. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Right. And I, and I mean, I would say even so on the uh, men's sporting side of it, too. So like female basketball, women basketball coaching on men basketball staffs, football. I mean, they're just right. so different, you know, just the limitations that they kind of you know, that they're restricted to. And then on top of that, like I right. said, resources are very restricted. But I know I'm, we're speaking yeah. about just your your thoughts on college athletes and, and, and pay mm-hmm. and all these different things. But I, I want you to mention or to to, to, mm-hmm. to speak on just the number of family members that you've had to go to um, college on athletic scholarships. Yeah, so um, I'm one of my dad's five kids and all five of us went to college on athletic scholarships. So I went to University of South Florida, um, had a brother that went to Arkansas. He actually went to junior college first. He went to Phoenix College first, then he went to Arkansas. Had a brother that went to the University of Buffalo. Um, my sister started out at Oklahoma State in track and field, and then she ended at Stanford University. And then my brother, uh, one of my, my last brother went to the University of Miami. So. Five of us, he sent all five of us to uh, to uh, to college, and that's his claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a wealth of knowledge on athletes in college, so. Yeah, yeah. So we both know you, you got a, a bunch of honors in, uh, in college, during your, during your college career. Um, mm-hmm. Can you speak on um, what it meant for you to be a, a Big East scholar athlete? Right. Uh, so Biggie Scholar Athlete is basically given to athletes who maintain their GPA through semester. And I actually uh, was a Biggie Scholar Athlete a couple times. Uh, and to me, it just it, it means that I can do the work and play the game as well. Um, that's a that's people have this uh, preconceived notion about student athletes. And I ran into professors who basically like, oh, athletes get away with this. They do this. And and basically, that just says, like, we're more than just athletes. So mm-hmm. that was a big one for me. I, Dre, Dre went to Vanderbilt. And um, uh-huh. just kind of being – even when I got into the NFL and working in the NFL, I would come across – or we would sit in meetings and talk about 
these educated athletes and a lot of times in most cases it was even looked down upon like you know how focused would he be in sports because he's got interest in whatever it could be biochemistry or whatever it is mm-hmm. but it's like it's like what you know you you kind of talk bad about the guys who don't take education seriously then right the people that do you know you still kind of find a way to to talk about that and his limitations. So it's just really, mm-hmm. it's really, I think the mindset and the thought processes uh, uh-huh. of what they think athletes are. Yeah. They can be like that's That, and I think because we don't, we don't really focus on other passions. When you see a mm-hmm. kid interested in sports, we pretty much only uh, push them to sports. That's the only thing we push them to. And I keep telling people like, y'all, sports is the foundation. That's just, it lays the foundation it teaches leadership character development like mental physical strength but that's not the end all and be all at some point sports has to end and if you have your identity wrapped in sports once you leave sports you don't know nothing else so you're going to be like struggling trying to find something else you like so i think it's important at an early age like hey this is sports this is what sports can do for you but you also need to look into other passions, other hobbies, like be smart. There's nothing wrong with being smart. <laughs> in fact, I tell kids all the time, like, again, you're an investment to a program. Why would I invest my money into you if you can't stay academically eligible to compete for me? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and Dre, if you want to speak to this, because I know Dre is involved in some programs that are helping college kids, but you know, he has an experience just in general with, with that being focused only on sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, just just being in the NFL, and like you said, like pe- people would tease me for that. Like, you so smart, you too smart, Dre. You too smart, like that. You for being smart, like I was getting teased right. for being smart. They don't want the belt. They didn't like. It just it didn't they didn't care. They didn't, they didn't like that. They didn't like you know somebody right. being smart, like using their mind other than football. And um, mm-hmm. that's why I was, I was different from them. Like, I was different. Like I wasn't like better or smarter than nobody. I was just different. Like I just thought different, like than a normal football player. And uh, right. It's just, it's it's kind of it's kind of sad to see that that I'll get teaching mm-hmm. being smart like that shouldn't be that it shouldn't be like that at all. Right, Absolutely. right, yeah. Absolutely. It wow. happens. You see it all the time. Like, do you want? I think because there's that in football, you they just pretty much like you have to be this way. They put you in a box, mm-hmm. and if you out anything outside of that box, you're a threat mm-hmm. to them right. because yeah, now yeah, you see now with everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter and we see as we see players begin to speak out, you're like, who told you to say that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. yep. So it's interesting, but I'm 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 glad to see that we're making progress. And I think that uh just I think that a lot of things are gonna be impacted by athletes. So yes. but after accomplished career at uh USF, uh tell us your journey after that. Did you go right into working? And if so, you know, how was yes, that adjusted? So I oh sure. So I basically, I went into work, um, but again, sports, I had only started competing at 14. So for eight years, track and field had been my life. So I wanted to like, and sports is, is, is a passion of mine. So I wanted to still be involved in sports. So I coached for a while. I got my MBA in sports business, and then I ended up getting the, the doctor in sports management. And so my my end goal is to be an athletic director. I want to get on campus and I want to interact with these athletes and I want to prepare them for life after the sport. That's that's my main focus. I don't think too many people are focusing on preparing athletes for life after the sport because 
everybody in college sports is not going to go pro. Right. And kids that look like us, we don't get to graduate and go home to businesses and where somebody can just put us in a position. So we have to fight and we have to network. And I don't think they're giving athletes that opportunity now. Yeah. That's real. Like, like, like you said earlier, after, after I retired, um, and I, I, I didn't know what to do. Like, I'm like, bro, what to do? <laughs> like, I, I had no idea, like, what, what to do in the workplace, like, what to do, like, with, with my life. I'm like, mm-hmm. but uh, I start, I started working with this organization called uh, Make a Play Foundation, and uh, they start, mm-hmm. they, they help kids, they help college kids that you know that not, that's not, that's not go to the NFL or the NBA or the or any other professional sport. So we help them try to. Get them in in the, in the workforce, like you know, like I say, like network, mm-hmm. you know, just stuff like that. Network, um, help them, like just get just get better skills, like life life skills. Right. And uh, do you feel most athletes are prepared for this transition? I don't, but I also don't think we realize that we have so many transferable skills mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. being an athlete yeah. that can be used in the workplace. Like I'm naturally a leader, and I can't help. I I know I I I. I improved that throughout my years of competition. Like I'm naturally a leader and that's just something that I can do easily. It's not forced. It just happens. People listen to me, but we don't really understand that those transferable skills can be used in the workplace, like working well on the team. You don't really get that from teamwork, like yeah. being a part of a team and working towards a common goal. People don't even realize that that that's a skill. And then, um, I know for sure I've met a lot of employers that like as soon as they find out you're an athlete, they're like, Oh my God, I need you because they already know what we possess mentally, um, physically, um, in leadership, all those skills. Oh, it's raining um, all those skills that pretty much make a great worker. So I don't think the colleges are doing a great job train um training our uh preparing our athletes for this because I remember when I left college, I was like okay, what do I do now? Like, I don't have to work out no more. Nobody's mm-hmm. telling me to be this place at a certain time. So it's it's a transition that you, you have to get used to, but I don't think they're quite preparing them for it yet. I agree with you, um, especially with athletes being able, because again, we're, 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 in, we're in pressure-packed situations all the time. So uh-huh. I deal with pressure and I deal with stress. So a lot of things that I learned when I was navigating the corporate side of even sports um, that you see, because a lot of people that are in the front office or whatever, those, a lot of them didn't really play sports, so they don't nope. have like teammates. <laughs> they don't know how to. They don't know how to interact with people. They really, it's yeah. really a, a interesting. It's situation. weird. It, it's interesting. So the fact that, like you said, that we're able to adjust and be within a team and work well within a team, I think those are things that we need to highlight and identify, and just be able to allow athletes to know that coming out of college that these are, you know, some of your your best quali- you know, some some qualifications that you have that can transfer well into the working force. But um, like I said, yeah. I stated that you got your you got some secondary degrees, the PhD. Mm-hmm. You mentioned being athletic director, kind of um, because I mean. But I, we can just talk about the PhD process because that, you know, only the strong really survive with that, right? That's not an easy process. Can you talk about just your experience with that? Yeah, it was a very long process. I actually, I started my doctorate degree in 2012, um, right after I finished my master's degree. Um, 
I started the doctorate and I pretty much worked through the coursework and the, you get through the coursework and then the last two components of the, of the degree are the comp exam and the dissertation. And I took the comp exam the first time and I failed two parts of four. And I was like, I'm done with this. I'm not doing this no more. <laughs> and I was like, I'm done with school. I'm tired. Like, I've been a career student all my life. I'm done. So I took a break. I took like a two-year break. And then I finally decided, you know what, let me just go back and finish up what I started. And um, the dissertation process was an even longer process because basically, like, you're everything you want to say, you have somebody that's, that has not never been an athlete. I'm an athlete. So I'm writing my dissertation as an athlete and I have somebody telling me, no, that's not possible. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean it's not possible? So it was a long process, but I defended my dissertation in November, 2019. Um, and uh, like you said, only the strong survive. It's really, it's a, it's a mental game at that point. Like, do I really want to keep doing this? Like what's the reward at the end? But uh, I'm the first doctor in my family. And basically I'm just, I, I'm ready to move forward in my career, and I I want to touch these athletes in any way possible, just letting them know, like, hey, y'all, y'all not alone, because there's so many of us out here, once we leave the sport, we don't know what yeah. else there is to do. Absolutely. Congratulations again on that. Thank you. Definitely. Definitely. And uh, you're the founder of uh, Female Athletes Rock, aka Far. Can you talk about mm -hmm. what, what led you to starting that platform and what you mm -hmm. hope to accomplish? Uh, yeah, so um, I created Female Athletes Rock in 2013. At the time, I was in my doctorate program, but I was also coaching high school track and field. And I kind of realized, like, my high school athletes didn't have anybody to look up to. And this is, like, the emergence of, like, social media, like, Instagram at this time. Instagram was the new hot ticket item. And I would scroll through Instagram, I'm like, they don't have anything positive to look at as far as being an athlete. And unless you are on TV and, you know, we only see Serena, mm -hmm. they barely show WNBA games. And then we get the Olympics every four years. So there was nothing. So I, I created Female Athletes Rock as a way to empower and, and, um, and inspire female athletes as well as celebrate female athletes. Because again, unless you're a big name, nobody really knows about you mm -hmm. and what you've accomplished or your story. So that's why Female Athletes Rock was created to share those stories and also just give um, young girls in sports positive people to look up to. I, I think, um, like I said, it's such a big, uh, 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 discrepancy or just uh, even with pay of uh, even when you talk about maybe female mm -hmm. uh, male track guys and female track athletes mm -hmm. if you're not kind of one of the, the top of the top you know you really just are I mean a lot of them are living from training to being a substitute teacher to just like making yeah. ends meet to survive until they you know again getting ready for the next Olympic year so it's a lot that um that 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 females or that you know the individuals mm -hmm. in that sport um have to endure so what advice right. would you have for a young lady that might be just kind of dealing with some of the limitations of, of what being put on her as a female athlete and just all that you have experienced and know what type of advice would you give her um my advice would be to um stay focused and then you know be resilient you know be able to bounce back because you are going to experience everything um be resilient and just always always be thankful 
as well. Because in that process, you're going to experience so many things. You're going to try to understand why, how, but just be thankful that it happened because it's setting you up for something greater. Absolutely. Well, I, that's all I have for you. Uh, Dre, you got any additional questions? Uh, I just want to say thank you for being on the show. Uh, your story is really positive. I really love your story. I'm, I'm glad what you're doing with, the, with these young kids, man. They really need it. Thank you both for having me. I'm excited. Thank you, Jeff, for reaching out to me. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share my story. No problem. Do, do you want to be able to maybe put the information out where maybe they can find your your audience? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're located on the internet. Um, you can go to female at www.femaleathletesrock.org. And then we're on Instagram, um, Female Athletes Rock. And we're on Twitter at Four Female Athletes. Awesome, awesome. Well, there you have it. Another episode by another amazing guest. We're so honored to have Dr. Jasmine Highsmith on the podcast. We'll be supporting you, following you, and uh, and anything that you have going on, we're definitely going to stay involved and connected with you. So we appreciate you coming on. No, thank you again. I really appreciate y'all both. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment. Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. I've been grinding all my life, love, all my life, been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.